Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Swing and a drive, right field and deep. Back goes Aquino, it's got a chance, gone! Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode number 46. We're calling this one. Schwarber's Tacos, as the World Series is underway. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. Of course, it is your radio home for Chicago Cubs baseball, and I'm joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, how are you on this Sunday night? Well, my stomach's not doing too good. I've, I've realized there's a reason I don't go to Taco Bell anymore, but I had to because Kyle Schwarber earned me a taco. Uh, you can follow me at Crowley's Cubs on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FlyTheW670. And you can follow us on Facebook at FlyTheW and email us with any questions or comments at FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. All right, before we get into uh, Schwarber's Tacos, though, and some of the fun stuff as the uh, World Series has gotten Games 1 and Games 2 under wraps now, we have to get into some uh, not-so-great news. We we dove into this a little bit the uh, last pod's cast Crowley, but now we've got official uh, news on Alexander Canario. Yeah, you know, this is uh, really, really a tough break, and and, and it was unbelievable. No pun, inten- um, no pun intended. No pun intended. Alexander Canario playing in the Dominican Republic. Um, like I talked about on the last podcast, if we weren't talking about Matt Mervis, the big conversation would be about Alexander Canario. He had an absolutely great season, and a lot of people believe that he was going to be a key piece as far as trade bait for the Cubs uh, to get themselves a a young starting pitcher through the trade market. Um, But it is a severe ankle break and a shoulder dislocation. He should be in Chicago right now. He's going to have surgery on the ankle, and then a week later he's going to have to have uh, surgery on the shoulder. So this is this was just an absolutely devastating injury for you know again one of those freak injuries where kind of like hit, hits off the hip off the bag trying to beat a ball out and just kind of lands on his side really awkwardly and 
It was just a horrible thing to see. And now to make matters worse, we have infant, uh, more information on Brennan Davis. Um, you know, we talked about Brennan Davis. He was uh, had the nerve issue in his back. He went to the AFL to get some more at-bats, you know, because he missed so much of the season, pretty much three-quarters of the season. Um, you got to remember with Brennan Davis – my understanding, and I think many people had the same understanding, was, you know, see how he does in Iowa. He does good right around the middle of uh, – right after the All-Star break, you take a look at calling him up and DFAing Hayward. Or, you know, now Hayward got injured and he was, you know, unable to play the rest of the season. But that was the belief of what was supposed to happen. Maybe there would have been some crossover where, like, Hayward would have stayed and been like a backup pinch hitter type thing and kind of teach Brennan Davis the ropes. Um, but he had that ner- back issue in uh, nerve issue in his back. And so, you know, he got that taken care of. He got to, you know, play a little bit in the minors and he started to heat up um, at, towards the end in September. Um, but then he was going to be in the AFL and he starts out the AFL. Great. He had hits two homers. He's leading the league in uh, slugging. Everything's great. But after the fifth game, he gets pulled that he appeared in, he gets pulled and they told us nothing for a while, right? All of a sudden he doesn't play. Then they said general soreness. What does that mean? Well, we didn't know what that meant. And we were hoping, you know, maybe little dings or bruises or something. Nope. It's because of back tightness. Okay. So the Cubs don't believe it's the same issue as what happened over this, over uh, his uh, 2022 season. So unrelated to what they believe but they're working to understand what the problem is. And so now th- this is a, a big concern here because Canario probably profiles better as a left or right fielder, but could easily he could play center field and, and Brennan Davis could play center field. And so we've talked about Ian Happ in left. We've talked about Suzuki in right and the possibility of those guys stay in there and have, you need a center fielder and the Cubs just have an awful, awful history of developing center fielders. Like you can sit there and think about every position and think of somebody great that the Cubs had at that position at one point in time. Center field is is awful. It is absolutely like, it is just so bad for the Cubs. They just cannot develop them. And so as you kind of start to pencil in your 2023 lineup, you know, there was going to either probably be some competition between Alexander Canario and Brendan Davis or Obviously, the need is to have a top-of-the-line rotation arm, and Canario would have been the bait for that. And now this really throws things off because when you start taking a look at the free agent market now, you, that's something that you were hoping you wouldn't have had to worry about, center field, right? But the Cubs just absolutely – it was abysmal in center field this year, and they can't do what they did the last year again. Right. Now, maybe the Swiss Army knife, Crowley, maybe he is the uh... – now heir apparent in center field, right? Maybe he is the guy that you pencil in there to start the season off in center field. What do you think of that idea? When you're talking about Christopher Morrell, it's, uh, I guess I'm of the mindset is that I am tired of kind of Swiss army knifing my way in center field. When you see a good center fielder, right? They instinctively, a lot of times you don't even have to see them dive or do anything crazy because they are immediately where the ball is. There's like an instinct, right? And I'm, I, it's just been like nonstop. I mean, Dexter Fowler, probably the best, last good center fielder that the Cubs have had. Okay. Dexter Fowler hasn't played since 26. That's six years ago, Dustin. 
That's and then when you time. It's a lot of band-aids, a lot of band-aids since Dexter Fowler. Right. And when you go before Dexter Fowler, right? What, what, what do you have? I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to think off the top of my head and there's not much. Well, like, you the know, Cubs fell in love with a guy, Crawley, right? The, the Theo Jed era fell in love with a guy and he just didn't work out. Right. I mean, that that's one of the problems is that they used a high draft pick on a guy and he did not live up to the hype and he's bounced around and he's no longer here. And we have the gaping hole. And Hayward wasn't able to make the switch. Hayward, that was another thing. They thought, well, we'll we'll, we'll move Jason Hayward over here. He's the goods. And obviously, he's no longer a cup. Yeah, and, and so that's just the situation right now that we find ourselves in. And then to add insult to injury, pun intended, um, <laughs> Mark Gonzalez of the Sun-Times reports that Miguel Amaya is still in a walking boot, using a crutch. He's recovering from a fracture on his foot. So it's just another guy that has lost. I mean, so you got to remember 2020 COVID year, right? So all of these young guys lost a year of development. And when you talk about Miguel Amaya, he had Tommy John surgery, lost, lost another year of development. Now he has this foot injury and he's losing more time as far as development. Um, this guy was the, uh, is, was their goal. You know, the guy they were looking at is hopefully stepping up a few years ago. My, my guess is when people ask, well, why didn't they have more extension talks with, Contreras, well, part of the thought process was probably Miguel Amaya will fit into that. And so now you have Canario, who my guess will not be ready by spring training. Brennan Davis, who I don't know exactly the extent of the injury, but, you know, he obviously, you know, he's struggling to swing a bat. So, you know, that's not good. And then you have Amaya. And and the one thing, though, from that article with Mark Gonzalez from the Sun-Times is that he, he talking about his relationship with Wilson Contreras. And one of the things he was saying with Wilson was like, you know, they would have conversations and Wilson kind of was very much talking to him about, you got to be ready, you know, cause I don't know what's going to happen if I'm traded or if I hit free agency, you got to be ready to step in. And um, Amaya said Contreras means a lot to me. He talked about how to control everything on and off the field, like preparing for a game, calling a game, adjusting the situations, just trying to control everything you can, even with fans. So, I mean, once again, Wilson kind of showing what he's worth off the field, huge, not just huge, not just on bro, the field, huge. but off the field, right? right? Like, this is the guy that's, that, you know, was going to take his job, and here he is giving him advice on how to get better. And so, you know, I don't know. Like, you know, we aren't privy to everything, and maybe there's something Wilson did absolutely horrible, Right. I have no clue. All I know is is right now your your plan for catcher doesn't look like it's really paying off. You're going to have to somehow address that center field issue. I don't think Morell is an everyday center fielder, and I don't think that's a solution. And so maybe it is time to maybe rethink that Wilson Contreras uh, contract. And, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, the Cubs may sit there and let him test the market, and then who knows, maybe if, if he doesn't see what he likes in the market – the Cubs can offer him a little bit more than what he got in the market. But I personally right now, when the season before the season ended, I understood what they were doing and I understood, okay, maybe Wilson Contreras, you know, we can, you can move on from him. Now I'm starting to question that a little bit and, and thinking to myself more that the Cubs need, uh, you know, there's a lot of holes right now with that center field hole opening up again. Wouldn't be bad to have Wilson as a DH catcher, some sort of hybrid. Well, I'm just hoping that uh, 
he ends up taking the 19.65 or 19.8, whatever the 19 plus million dollars in that qualifying offer. I hope it's uh, ends up being enough and they get him locked up for at least one more year. And then hopefully during the season, they could work on something a little bit uh, more long-term, if you will. I just, I can't see him. I mean, he has to test the market. Uh, he has oh, to no, test, he's gonna he's, test he's, it. I just yeah. think, I just wonder, I just wonder if there's going to be a, a five year hundred million dollar deal. I don't think there's a five year hundred million dollar deal out there for him. If there is fantastic, good for him. I'd be happy for him, but I think that team would be severely overpaying for him. I think the smart bet for everybody involved is a, one of those deals. That's a short term deal with the opt out similar to what car, now obviously not Carlos Correa money. You get what I'm saying? But he, you know, or something like Rodon got along the way, something that Correa got along the way where you're there for a year and then you can opt out. Right. Right. And if you want, right. you can opt in. So like some sort of three-year deal, let's say three years, 60 million with an opt out after the first year. Yep. I like that idea. I could, I could, I could live with that. That makes a ton of uh, baseball sense to me. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 46 of the Fly the W670 podcast. This one we're calling Schwarber's Tacos. We're going to get to that in a minute, Crowley, as uh, Kyle Schwarber got tacos not just for you and I and not just for Cubs fans, but for baseball fans everywhere. One of the people that is not the average baseball fan's favorite guy is Rob Manfred. And, of course, he's making the rounds a little bit and the in uh, the week as uh, the World Series started. And there was a couple of interesting uh quotes you saw in one particular interview that thought were uh, worthwhile for us to get into. Yeah. So, uh, Rob Manfred, everybody's not favorite, um, president, uh, what you call it, a baseball commissioner of baseball. He was on with Chris Russo there. I had an interview and they talked about a couple different baseball topics. One of them we've talked plenty about, and that is the Manfred man, the starting extra innings with a man on second base. Some people like it. Some people don't. Some people think it is not traditional baseball. Some people think that it kind of cheapens the game a little bit. Other people seem to enjoy it. 
according to Rob Manfred, that rule is not going anywhere. Last season, there were 350 extra inning games, but there was just one case where a team had to go more than 15 innings. In 2012, there were 341 extra inning games where 17 teams had to throw at least 15 innings. So part of this idea is, is you know, those uh, – what, what game was that? That was um, ALCS game – ALDS game two, I want to say, Houston and Seattle, right? Was it game two or game three that went like 18 innings? I think it was game three. I think it was three, yeah. Yeah, it went 18 innings, right? And right. so obviously when you have the Manfred man, it, it, you're going to get – chances are the game is going to end much quicker than if you don't have it. And I think you and I both talked that during the regular season, that rule makes sense, right? It definitely makes sense during the season. I, I don't mind it at all. And again, I think we also talked about in, I don't have the answer right now. And I, I think people come here looking for answers. So I apologize, but I think it's a discussion that after X and maybe it's 11, maybe it's after 11 innings in the 12th, you go to man for man in the playoffs. Because as we talked about, had that game gone the other way, had the Mariners been able to get out of that game and not gotten swept, okay, they would have had absolutely nothing the next day. Nothing. Nothing left. And that's just dumb. That's 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 worse than the Manford Man rule. So I think it would save bullpens, it saves bodies, and it makes the next game at least competitive. Now, before the Manford Man rule, you know, there was thoughts about this. What do you do when you get in those games? Because it absolutely, you could hurt risk injury. Um, you know, the bullpen is taxed. Everybody's just a mess after those games. I've sat through a few of them. Be honest, like I said, beer sales end at the seventh inning. You're kind of sitting around and sometimes it's just dragging on and nothing happens. There's a theory that I always kind of, and, and I remember hearing it from Len Casper and other people as well, is that, okay, you got a 25-man roster, right? What if you extended it to a 30-man roster, but you could only dress 25 that day, right? And so on that day, you, you got your 25-man roster, but if you wanted to switch it up, right, the next day, you know, you could make some alterations or maybe just do that in the postseason. So you know how during COVID they had, what was it, the shuttle team or the bus, the, the guys that would go along with in case there was an outbreak, they would have five yeah, or taxi six. Taxi squad kind taxi of Taxi squad, yeah. right, right, right. So why not in the postseason say, okay, you can have a 30-man roster and you can – so you got five extra, right? So you got to have a catcher on there, you know, maybe three pitchers and then one other player, right? Whatever you want to do with it. And then that way, like, if something were to happen, you you have those guys there, you're ready to go. Uh, I, I don't know. That, that's just something I've kicked around in the it's past. It's something – I don't think – I don't think at this point, Crawley, I don't think there's any bad ideas. The only bad idea is not talking about – ways to fix a problem and right. this is a problem so i i think these are all worthwhile discussions and i think uh the manford man as we like to call it i think it's actually a good thing um i don't i i don't mind it at all now another thing that manford brought up was the stadium situation with the oakland athletics and the tampa bay rays and um, with the A's, Manfred said, I think the A's have proceeded prudently in terms of exploring the Las Vegas alternative, given the lack of pace in Oakland. So Oakland Coliseum has had all sorts of issues. And, and that whole situation over there, it's, it's similar to like what the White Sox have on the south side where there's like this 
commission is like publicly owned and and the uh, A's pay a very nominal fee every year to use the Coliseum. But they've had issues with lights before. They've had issues with plumbing and sewage. They got feral cats running around there, mold, all sorts of issues. And obviously, clearly, Oakland wants a new stadium. And this is going down to that public versus private funding again. And it doesn't seem like they're going to be getting much of what they want. And so the Oakland A's, there's a very good chance they may be moving to Vegas. You know, Dustin, you know, I think I really, you know, one of the, one of the most exciting world series for me that was, you know, I didn't see the Cubs until 2016 in a world series, but one thing I did remember one that always struck in my head was for a lot of us, I think was the 88 world series when you had the Dodgers against the Oakland A's and that Oakland A's team. When you think about guys like Ricky Henderson and uh, you know, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco and Dave Stewart. I mean, that was just an amazing team. And there's so many great players over the years, Raleigh fingers, Vita blue, Reggie Jackson, guys like that. I, I would be hard. Would it, would you, does it bother you at all? The thought of Oakland moving to Las Vegas? Not, even a little tiny bit. Um, <laughs> not, not at all. I, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great in Las Vegas. I think another stadium in Las Vegas would be great. They've got plenty of real estate out there. Um, I think they're doing a pretty good job supporting the Raiders. And I think a an afternoon, it, the idea of maybe three days in Vegas is about all you can do. That A lot of people think that. I, I would disagree with them. And I think if you added a baseball team, that would be another day. That, that could be a whole other day in Las Vegas. Every tourist that goes out to Vegas that's a sports fan, and I would think about I would think about 50%, even maybe more, of the people that go out to Vegas are sports fans. Even though sports gambling has become so everywhere, right? You, every, you, know, you can bet on 10 different apps on your device now. You can do it on your laptop. You don't have to be in Vegas, or you don't have to have some guy that you meet at a Portillo's parking lot anymore. So, but I still think people like to go to Vegas because of the sport of it, watching the games, like at Circa. I mean, these unbelievable television sets, unbelievable setting where you can watch the games while you are got water, you know, up to your midsection and you got a bucket of floating Coronas. I mean, it, it's just a great place for sports, and that would just be one more thing. So when your favorite team, when your favorite team has a three-day set out in Vegas – whether it's the middle of the week or the weekend, hey, let's hey, this is another reason to go to Vegas because the Cubs are going to be there, the Sox are going to be there, the Yankees are whoever it is, right? For, it's not about the A, it's not about the A's. Nobody cares about the A's, and if people from Oakland care about the A's, they'll go to listen. I, I bet there's a lot of people, the old Oakland Raiders, right, that are driving out to Vegas to a couple of games a year. So the same thing. These, the, how many, how many season tickets do you think they actually had? How many season ticket holders do you think actually went to forty games of the A's? Right, uh, not a lot because I know that Oakland has one of the lowest attendance as far as the thirty MLB teams. Right. And um, they used to play. Remember when they used to have the when the Raiders were there, Crowley? Remember they used to play on the half football field, half baseball field. It was no good for football. It was no good for baseball. It wasn't appealing on the eyes. I mean, the whole thing is an absolute. Mess. Listen, I would not, if I was a taxpayer in Oakland, I would not be for. Let them go somewhere else. Let another city have a try with it. Whether it's Vegas, which I think is a great idea, and that also gives the proximity. Or, you know, the other hot spot, right, is Nashville. 
Nashville is mm-hmm. a hot spot right now for people moving and people wanting to visit. Same idea. Tag another day onto a trip to Nashville because your favorite baseball team is going to be in town. I think it's a win-win for everybody. Well, there's another team that is also in the basement always with attendance, and that is the Rays. And they are in discussion about moving from the trope, which I've never been there, but I've only heard negative things about going to see a ball game there. Uh, they're I've talking only been about there to moving. see a basketball game. I've seen a basketball game. <laughs> no good. They're talking. They're talking about either St. Petersburg or a, a different part of Tampa Bay. Um, but when I take a look at these two teams, the A's and the Rays, I sit there and I say to myself, they're not like a team like the Pirates that have like all this losing, you know, in recent memory. Like Oakland usually is pretty competitive, and and the Rays, you know, the Rays have had great teams the last 10, 20 years. So, you know, it's sad when you sit there and you watch, you know, the, the Rays and, and, you know, I've heard the excuses, you got to move the stadium, you know, it's, it's on the wrong side of the turnpike, blah, 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 whatever it is. All I know is, is they have great teams and all this, and you look at the stadium when they play there and there's like 12 people, you know, you can count them. Yeah. They got really terrible attendance, a terrible field. You know, the other problem Crowley is they got a bunch of baseball teams in that city. Right. And there's a bunch of other things to do in Florida than watch a baseball game. That's part of the other problem. There's so many other things to do. And if you really wanted to go to a, a game, there's other places in the state to see a baseball game. So I think the stadium probably has to be outdoors. But I wouldn't be opposed to that team moving up to Nashville. Okay, either. Right. I mean, I don't I don't know that I don't know that Tampa can support a, a baseball team because there's so many other things to do in the summertime than hang out at a baseball game. So we're going to move the A's to Vegas, and we're going to move Tampa Bay to Nashville. Sure, not my teams. Doesn't matter to me. <laughs> All and right, listen, uh, and I think that would be that would be Crowley. You would be much more likely to go to the Las Vegas A's or the Nashville Rays than you would be to go to the Tampa Bay Rays or the Oakland A's. Well, maybe Odyssey or 670, the score will send us there, and then I'll agree with you. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This one's season one, episode 46. We're calling it Schwarber's Tacos because Crowley, the World Series, is underway. Two games are in the books, Friday and Saturday, down in Houston. And let's get into it. What happened? Well, game one, my MVP pick, Justin Verlander versus Aaron Nola. You warned me. You said Justin Verlander had never won a World Series game. He is one, he is, there's only one other pitcher in the history of baseball to pitch in a World Series, start in a World Series game 
in three different decades, the other one being Roger Clemens. And so I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is his time, right? So they're playing in Houston, and Houston strikes first. They scored two runs in the first. They, a Kyle Tucker solo home run included, then three in the second. As Kyle Tucker does it again, a three-run blast. And before you know it, the Strohs are up 5 nothing, and Justin Verlander is dealing. He's got a no-hitter going in the fourth inning. He gets the first guy out, but then Reese Hoskins hits a single with one out. JT Real Muto lines out, and then Harper singles. Now, at this point here, Hoskins should have scored on that Harper single. That was a bizarre one. Should have. But then Castellanos comes through clutch. He singles, and that makes it 5-2. to two. Alex Bohm doubles to score Harper and Castellanos uh, to cut the Houston's lead even more. So at this point, this is, this is the mistake here, right? So the mistake here, so it's 5-3. to three. You, you, you now have Verlander who struggled through a lot of pitches in that fourth inning, and you saw that he lost control of the fastball. And like I talked about in the last podcast, Dusty, you know, he's one of those ride or die guys with his guys. And I know Justin Verlander is a future Hall of Famer, no doubt about it, first ballot, et cetera, et cetera. But he lets him out there in the fifth. And then the very first batter, Brandon Marsh doubles. Now, I don't know about you, Dustin, at that point in time, I pull him. Absolutely. Out. You know, get him doesn't. out. Right. Doesn't. And so Schwarber walks, Reese Hoskins pops out. Then JT Real Muto doubles, Marsh and Schwarber score, and the game is tied at five. So down five nothing to the mighty Houston Astros. The Phillies don't care. They roar back. Bottom of the seventh. No, top of the seventh, let me just tell you. Nobody called this one, right? Kyle Schwarber steals a base, which means that everybody in the United States gets a free <laughs> taco. Now, I am not a gambling man, Dustin. But I wonder what the prop bet was going to be on that. Who is going to get the first steal wow. of the World Series, and what Kyle Schwarber would have paid? Yeah, it would have paid. It would have paid a lot. It's not even <laughs> something that really gets talked about. I wonder. I wonder, Crowley, if it's even something that you um, that you could bet. Um, but yeah, it, it was pretty pretty remarkable that he was able to steal that base. But again, that's so like typical Kyle, right? I mean, nobody expects it. He steps up big. In these in these in these times, it was great to see. It, it, he didn't hit a home run in his first at bat, but I did tell everybody that you should take uh, the Phillies on the uh, on the and the and the plus side of that game because Verlander just no Gouda in uh, in big situations like that so far. It's just shocking. And so we get to the bottom of the ninth, two outs. Altuve singles right. Jose Altuve singles. He steals second. Close play. And then Jeremy Pena, the wunderkind shortstop from Houston, he hits a ball that looks like it's going to drop, which would have easily been a walk-off. But Nick Castellanos, for the second time this postseason, makes a diving, sprawling uh, catch to bring it to extras. I can't. I mean, this is a guy that is definitely not known for his glove. So yeah. to see him do that again was just unreal. Yeah, he had a great catch and uh, good for him. That was that was when you you were happy for him, right? Nobody expected him to do it. The probability of him doing it was low, and uh, and you know it shows what a guy, you know, a good athlete can do in big situations. Good for him. That that was that as good as catches you're going to see. 
Top of the 10th, JT Realmuto homers off Luis Garcia. Goes right over the glove of Tucker, who, God, if he would have made that catch, what a game that would have been. I mean, just think about it. Two home runs, what, five, one, two, three, four RBIs, and he would have had the game-winning catch, but it's not to be. Bottom of the 10th, former Cub David Robertson traded to the Phillies at the uh, trade deadline. He gets Jordan Alvarez to strike out swinging. Alex Bergman doubles. Kyle Tucker strikes out. Yuil Gurriel walks. And so now Alamedes Diaz is up. There's a wild pitch that moves the runners to second and third. Okay. With just with two outs. And so uh, it, on a two and O count, another bit of controversy, Diaz dives into the pitch. So the pitch is coming and he kind of pulls away, but he sees it's not going to hit him. And then he dips. He's got one of those, uh, elbow guards and it hits his elbow and he's going to walk off to uh, first base. And the ump says, Nope, come on right back here. Not so and, fast, uh, my friend. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> and so that was a, that was called a ball, but he did not get to take his base. And then he grounds out to yeah. end the game. And now, so luckily, just that, that didn't, yeah. Right. That did not play huge into the game. Right. Exactly. So that could have been a massive controversy. Massive. Right. And here you go is, is that, the Astros always find themselves now into these things before the game. David Robertson talked about the 2017 garbage can cheating scandal. And, you know, a lot of people are now trying, okay, to, to, to whitewash history a little bit here with, Oh, well, you know, that was 2017 and most of the guys from that team are gone and it's new manager and it's dusty and all this other stuff. And David Robertson said, I think the people who were involved in that situation still every day at some point have to realize what they did and live with the decisions they made. I will never get 2017 back. For those of you that don't remember, David Robertson was with the Yankees in the 2017 ALCS when the Astros beat David Robertson's Yankees. And so there's a lot of people that are still bitter about this team. And you have this, you know, you have Diaz diving into it. And then in addition, before game two, Tom Verducci, reports that Martin Maldonado, former Cub, was using an illegal bat in game one. Now, Maldonado got the bat from Albert Pujols. The barrel of the bat is slightly larger than what's allowed. So in 2010, MLB changes the specifications on the bat. But for whatever reason, the league grandfathered the players that used those bats prior to 2010, so they didn't have to abide by those specs. So Pujols, since 2010, since they made that rule change, has been using this bat, okay? And then Maldonado asked him for a couple bats. He got them, and then after the game, the umpires talked to Maldonado and said, you can't use those. And so That's so wild. It's so wild. I, I, I don't get why you were going to allow somebody to not follow the rules for 10 years. Like, what's the point? You got to change your bat, change your bat. Well, now it makes Albert Pujols' little run there, right, to 700 look a little more. Uh... Just it's just nonstop with these guys. You know what I mean? It's 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 it, to me it, it's it just you know you're trying to look like you're playing clean, and 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 you are trying to excise some of those demons from 2017, but it's just always something. And and so, I mean, maybe they're just a good villain. You know, maybe Houston's a good villain, and they should just embrace it and stop trying because nobody's ever going to forgive them for the trash can scandal. And every time they do something, it's going to be magnified. 
But well, this... in game two, Crowley, there's more of it, right? In game two, there's more of this uh, shenanigans, if you will. Right. And and so in game two, you have Zach Wheeler versus Framber Valdez. Uh, bottom of the first, Altuve, Pena, Alvarez, I'll double. Yuli Gurriel reaches on a scoring error on Edmundo Sosa. So Houston's up 3-0 after one inning. Bottom of the fifth, Alex Bregman homers. Uh, Torgon Alvarez along for the rides. Astros are up 5-0. Hey, the Phillies came back once. Could they do it again? Well, no. Gene Segura hit a sack fly for the Phillies. Castellanos scores to make it 5-1. In the ninth, Brandon Marsh reached on a fielding ale by Yuli Gurriel. Alex Bohm scores, and the Phillies trailed 5-2. One thing that was funny is Kyle Schwarber hit two balls in the same at-bat that looked like home runs. One of them just went foul, a little bit to the right of the foul pole on the right field side. And then the very next at-bat, he I don't know what the exact measurements are. It, 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 uh, the uh, Tropicana Field, I don't think it's Tropicana Field anymore. I don't know what they call it in Houston anymore. But – it, it was about be, one. Yeah, it was the juice box for a while. Yeah, right. And it was and wasn't it? Didn't weren't they? It was Enron for a while. Before, yeah, right? and so it was about a foot short from from going out there. So you feel bad for him, but uh, you know it was. I was watching the game, and all of a sudden my phone just starts going off, like just different notifications from different baseball friends and on Twitter, uh, DMs and stuff like that. And they're saying, Crawley, look at Valdez. He keeps doing this after every at bat. He's doing something, right? So he's kind of like, like, kind of like reaching for like by his wrist and kind of rubbing his wrist a little bit, kind of playing with his dreads a little bit. He's doing all sorts of funky things. Right. And 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 all of a sudden, after the game, um, Rob Ronson, the manager for the Phillies, was asked about it. This is what he had to say. And, and I know it's. I just got it from KG. It's all over Twitter, you know. The umpires check these guys after almost every inning, and, and if there's something going on, they won't be able to take care of it. But you saw it, and there was no concern in your mind. Yeah, but we saw it the last time he started fifth. All right. Well, you well, know he's it, taking the high ground, right? I mean, what's he? What's he? What do you expect him to say or do? He's taking. He's taking the high ground, and um, I'm sure. I'm sure they're going to, if they get to him again, which I'm sure they're hoping they they face him again because that'll mean that the series isn't wrapped up quicker. Um, I think they will try to do like a Buck Showalter type thing, right? Where you stop the game in the middle. Yeah, you, you go out there, you check them. Basically, you get them frisked in front of God and everybody and see what's what. Well, here's my issue here is that, you know, everyone made a big deal about Showalter doing that. But if, if we're talking about enforcing the rules – and you're looking at these guys, and some of these guys, the problem we saw before was the spin rate, right? And so the spin rate's going up on these guys, and, and you can look at the data, all right? You can look at the data, and you can see what's going on. So if all of a sudden a guy has a spike in his spin rate, why wouldn't you ask? Especially, like I said, if you're seeing the guy reaching, doing stuff, grabbing thing, you know, it, it's not like it was cold. It's not like it was super hot out, right? Right. And so in a control in a, in a controlled environment, right? In a temperature right. temperature controlled situation. I mean, here, and and this is the problem with baseball: is it a rule or is it not a rule? And if it's a rule, like the the bat we're talking about, then enforce the damn rule. Right. All right. If if you're going to be serious about this, I wouldn't make a big deal about it. But about you know, I know that you know about getting frisked or something like that. But I would maybe call the home umpire right over there and and maybe not do it during the inning, but as he's walking off, yeah, go ahead, you know. 
All right, so the series now, Crowley, it's 1-1, moving over to Philadelphia, and I'm going to uh, do my usual complaining about the schedule once again. I complained that they waited until Friday to get things going, basically took a whole week off. I complained that they were scared of the NFL today on Sunday, so they played Friday, Saturday. This would be the first time ever that the World Series does not play a game on a Sunday. I'll complain again that there's no day baseball involved, not even on Saturday, so I think that's a mistake. And now, Crowley, we got game three on Monday, we got game four on Tuesday, and we got game five on Wednesday. Back to back to back as the series. I think it's ridiculous that they're going to play three days in a row. Um, see, but that's, to me, that's uh, that's usually pretty normal, right? You go two on, one travel, three, and then one off, and then you travel. So it's your, I don't have a problem with them playing three days in a row. I have a problem with the them delaying. The reason this is all happening is because of football. Because on Thursday, they're, again, they, they tried, they avoided Thursday night football. So they only had to go up against football on the one day. It's just ridiculous right i don't think I, they should I, so, be playing three uh, days in a row it you should not play three days in a row when the stakes are this high in my opinion so, so i'll disagree with you on that one i would say that the mistake they made was not starting the world series on wednesday Absolutely. they should have started I, I totally they, agree with you yes they right should, but but, but the right but the two three two thing that's been going on for as long as i can remember well, with seven sure, games but i don't but i didn't remember that they played three games back to back to back yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what it was when, you know, in 2016, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The Cubs played here at Wrigley. Uh, this is actually today. Okay. We're recording on Sunday. This is the six-year anniversary of Game 5. So game five. they've always done yep. that, yeah. Okay, but here, okay, I, I, that I don't, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but a lot of things I say are ridiculous. We all know that. <laughs> okay, but 2-3-2, two, two, but then you give me Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's different than Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. right, and I, I'm saying and, for fans, for younger people, for the good of the sport, totally different than playing three games on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Right, I think what the idea obviously is is that you want to try to keep it as similar to regular baseball as possible, and, and not and if you have like a really good pitcher, the more rest well, you give them, you may have two starters, three they starters. Should have done, they should have done. What we, they should have started. They should have, because it worked out that way. They could have been Wednesday, Thursday. They. They could have been Wednesday, Thursday. They could have taken off Friday. Then they could have been Saturday, Sunday, Monday. A hundred percent agree with you on that one. That that, that would have been the smart move. And that's yeah. and that was MLB screwing up again. And but so they're just I, afraid of football. They're so afraid of football that they did this. Yeah, it, it was it was a mistake. And and you know I know that it was Scott Boris who suggested the World Series at a neutral site, but I disagree with him on that. I thought the energy was electric at Houston. The fans were riled up, you know, and, and I don't even, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in San, in uh, Philadelphia, because the last time the Phillies actually played uh, the Padres in the NL, NLCS, it was, they split the first two games, same as they did now. So the fact that the Phillies stole the game at, in Houston, especially that first game, I mean, that was a huge deal. So now you come back and, and, you know, you could, the Phillies could technically, if they won all three games, finish in Philadelphia. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I just got a feeling that that crowd is going to be absolutely amped up and, and electric and it's going to be on Halloween, which, again, is going to hurt TV ratings, of course, with kids trick-or-treating. And 
I don't know if people are going to be going out on yeah, Monday night. I know are, a lot I'm of saying, but parents out, but... are pulled in. Parents are pulled in sixteen different directions. The kids are all going in different directions. Nobody's watching TV <laughs> on Halloween night. They're just outside of Philadelphia and outside of Houston. They just got other things to do. It's a one time a year thing. It's just ugh. they just they just don't they just don't get it. All right, Crowley. So when we get back together on Thursday. What do you think we're going to be looking at come Thursday? We could we we could have a World Series champion, but I would be shocked. But where do you see this series sitting after game number five? So I said that I saw the Astros winning in five. I'm going to change that to Astros in six. I think the game. I think they will go back to Houston, where Houston will wrap it up. All right. So you're going to have it three-two Houston. On Thursday, I'm going to have it three-two Phillies on Thursday. So, so you, you think the home cooking is going to make the difference? I hope so. I, I sure hope so. I, I don't know, obviously, but that's what uh, that's what I'll be cheering for. That's what I'll be rooting for. And uh, those Philly fans are going to be lathered up. They've got a seven and zero football team, Crowley, and they got a team playing in the World Series. Eh, it must be nice, Dustin. I don't know what that feels like, but. Um... I will tell you that, again, my heart is with Philly. I want the Phillies, and I want Carl, Kyle Schorber to win it all over again. So that's that's where my rooting interest lies. I still think that that, that Astros team is sure is deep and, and, and darn good. That's a wrap, Crowley. Season 1, Episode 46, Schwarber's Tacos. It's in the books, and uh, we've got a World Series at one game apiece. And don't forget to follow us for all the news on the World Series, the Cubs, and all things baseball as it breaks. You can follow us on Twitter at FlyTheW670 uh, and Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook at FlyTheW, and you can follow, you can email us at FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. Guo Schwarbino.